Hello and welcome back to BS3 Talk, not just because of the postcode, but because there's three of us and you might think we're talking bullshit. 3-1 win over Swansea at the weekend, absolutely lovely stuff. Nigel Pearson era has well and truly begun, hasn't it, Coxie? It has. What a week, eh? Six goals, four, two goals against. Um, it's only like the third time, second and third time, I think, this week, this week that we scored three goals um, in a game this season. Potentially, the only one I can think of is Northampton in the Cup. Um, I might be completely wrong there. Oh no, Millwall as well in the FA Cup, there you go. But, you know, it's 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 mad that I can actually think of every time that we've scored goals. Um, it was a very different one, this one, to Middlesbrough, wasn't it? Obviously, Middlesbrough was very much about the first half performance. Um, this one's certainly about the second half performance, but I'm sure we'll get into that. But, yeah, it was... In the end, uh, a delightful watch. Um, just on that, Doss, as well, of course, the second half, it did really spin the other way. How much credit would you give Nigel Pearson for that? Yeah, hello, everyone. It's a, it's a lovely day today. Um, I'll give him a lot of credit because I think the formation switch changed up the game. We were clearly, I think it had to be done, as unfortunately it was for Riley Tyler, it had to be done to take him off because he was a walking red card uh, well, I was surprised he didn't go early. I think that was a challenge. Minutes before he was um, subbed off, which was the end for Nigel Pearson. But it was crucial. I think we were getting just, there was nothing in that midfield for us. It was all Swansea being pinned back far too much. The wingbacks couldn't get forward. So I think switching it was the, the key to that good second half. Yeah, we were trying to work out before the pod started and, and what formation it was. I think we pretty much settled right on a 4 triple two. But it was a really interesting one. Viner moving into midfield, of course, had an absolutely massive impact, I think, with the assist for the first um, in particular. That formation switch, do you think maybe that's a system we might see more of? Or do you think it was just a case of circumstance and playing up against Swansea? I think it was a change that was well, it was obviously needed. We were being dominated in the first half. Um. And then I think once Towler had gone and you bring on Sessignon, it does give you the ability to switch it to a four, um, which at the in in the end of the, at the end of the day, sorry, was was pretty crucial. Um, personally, I, I didn't really, I don't know at the time when Viner moved into midfield, I was like, I don't know because he's he's having a decent game at the back, but it ended up being an absolute stroke of genius. Um, and then you know when you've got back in CERN and Palmer floating around and causing problems like they did, I think it's very hard to go wrong with that. Um, and, you know, they're so well supported by that base of Viner and Nash that it was just, you know, a joy to watch. We'll get on to individuals after, but I just thought that second half was such a team performance. And as to not get carried away, you know, I still think this squad lacks some leadership and lacks some characters. But, you know, the huddle at the end, um, and the fact that, you know, they all seem very much in it together at this point. I think if this squad makes it through this season sort of fairly unscathed, I do think there's going to be a core there that are going to have a, a, a bond that, you know, has been lacking for a few years now because this club was at the lowest point it has been for a long time now. Um, and they were receiving a lot of abuse. Two games ago, we thought we were going down. Um, and now we're talking about a potential outside chance of, of playoffs. So, you know, if this squad can keep it going and um, keep putting in performances like that last half an hour or so, um, I think we stand a real chance of developing a, a properly, you know, characterful and good squad. I think it shows, though, how quickly things can change in the championship, doesn't it? If, if two games ago we were dead certain for a relegation battle, suddenly now... You're thinking a good result against Bournemouth, and there's you know the the potential for playoffs probably is there. But speaking of that first half and and how sort of dominant Swansea were, it could have easily have been three dos if it weren't for Dan Bentley, right? Yeah, I wanted to touch on the point Coxie made, and I think the media team I think deserves some credit because I was watching. I think they put a video up on YouTube. I don't think they put it on Twitter as well, but it was a ten minute video or around ten minutes of just behind the scenes of training on. Nigel Pearson's first day. I thought that was brilliant because you got to see a, a different side. To, I don't know if they've been doing it a lot or... Yeah, it's the Fail and Uncut series, isn't it? But yeah. They're quite good. It seemed like a longer one and I, I haven't really watched it before but I really, really liked it. But 
Yeah, Bentley's good. Uh, good <laughs> saves. I think there was a lot of times where, I think in the first half especially, where we thought it was a guaranteed goal for Swansea. Vine has clearance off the line as well, another one. But yeah, we know how good Dan Bentley is, don't we? I think we said it m- many, many times. And I think when you look at the, I think Woodman at the other end, you know, along with maybe Tim Krull <laughs> and David Rea, uh, mainly perceived to be the top goals in the championship. And I think Woodman, when you compare the two performances, it's, it's Bentley comes out on top, doesn't he? Yeah. Do you think other clubs sort of sleep on Dan Bentley and how good he's been? Probably, they're like, well, definitely for this season. I know we had that sort of slippery patch at the back in the last season, but the majority of last season as well, he was absolutely standout. So do you think other clubs maybe do sleep on him a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I don't know. Um, I yeah, think it's pretty well, easy though, isn't it, to look at our, you know, goals conceded and shots conceded. I suppose no one's looking at shots, but goals conceded specifically and see, right, pretty woeful defence. You wouldn't instantly go to the goalkeeper. But, you know, you look at the shots conceded. We conceded the second most shots on target um, this season with 137, only Wickham with 148 can see more. Dan Bentley has made, I think it's the second most amount of saves. And whilst his save percentage isn't as high as some others, I think he's somewhere floating around the bottom half of the top 10. You consider the, the top ones, the top save percentages are being made by keepers who are rarely being brought into action. Um, I think, the other keepers that are around the top end of this uh, shots on target against section are quite low on save percentage because, you know, they concede a lot and they save a lot, but they don't save that many. Whereas the quality of shots that Dan Bentley is saving is ridiculous. I swear he only concedes, you know, like basically obvious chances. If there's, if there's a slight chance he's saving it, um, you know, you'd back him to save it. I think even the penalty against Swansea, um, when he went the right way, I was like, well, that's not going in. And he was genuinely surprised when it went in. Um, he genuinely is just di- on a different level, I think, to any other goalkeeper in this league. The reflexes, the, you know, the, the positioning, he's always in the right place. I think his kicking obviously could could improve, but to be honest, I don't give a shite because... <laughs> he does all the work that he can do. And he, it was a nice little comment in reply to Naki Wells and Naki Wells was lauding him on Twitter. And he was like, well, if you, st- you keep sticking them in the bottom corner, I'll carry on doing my bit. And I just thought, you know what, Dan, you, you carry on doing your bit regardless of whether Naki's sticking him in the bottom corner. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it's a joy to watch him sometimes, isn't it? He's genuinely incredible. Yeah, if you're talking about tweets, I mean, Pato tweeted Dan Bentley go, yeah. which I found yeah. quite funny. But staying with that first half, and I think you touched on it earlier, Doss, is the Riley Towler sub. That was, I think, a pretty smart move to make sure, because it doesn't really matter if it's the 45th minute, right? It doesn't matter whether you do it in the dressing room or not at that point. But well, I think one thing you sort of touched on was was Callas as well, like putting the arm around him and talking to him. Do, do you like to see that from... Callas, who pretty much, I know we've we've sort of said there aren't many captains and strong leaders. I think Callas is as close as it comes to that figure in this side, surely, Doss. I really liked his interviews after the game last week. He's very straight to the point and honest. And even with uh, Paul Simpson, you kind of expect him to be pitching for a job rather than just saying how it is, saying that, you know, they need change, etc., etc. And I think Callas, yeah, fair play to him, went over to him, gave, gave him work, because I know Taylor certainly didn't look uh, pleased at the situation but you know he's still been I think as Nigel Pearson touched on he's still been involved in two great away victories in a week so as good as he was against Borough it just didn't happen for him today but you know it's expected you know if it wasn't for four injuries at left back he wouldn't or even five if you count Callum O'Dowda he wouldn't be well because he, he's been rushed forward hasn't he to the situation he shouldn't be playing Swansea away with Connor Roberts as his opposite number that's for sure so yeah it was a tough day for him but yeah. Fair play to Kalas for giving him the arm around the shoulder. Mm, yeah, loved that. Um, I tweeted about that on the account just because I like it. See, in some way, it seems so simple, but in other ways, I just think it's so valuable that instantly he recognizes. I think there was Middlesbury putting a worldie of a tackle towler, and everyone gathered around him and stuff like that. And then Kalas, when he's going off, and Nigel Pearson, you know, slaps him around the heads. Like you can imagine, he's just sort of words of encouragement. Um, and then Tal is in the huddle at the end. They're great experiences for a youngster to have. 
Um, and I think yesterday, just to quickly touch on the bench, the fact that I think me, me and Doss figured out there was one championship goal on the bench um, before Semenyo mm. scored, that is, with Taylor Moore. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the oldest player, I think, on the bench was Stephen Sessegnon. Is the average um, age 19.8 or something? Yeah. And the average age was like 19.8, I saw. Max older than Cess, fair enough. Cess um, is only about 20, isn't he? But Max 24. He is young, isn't he? Maybe 24. I think Max is a little bit older. But yeah, the, the inexperience on the bench, whilst you can, you know, say we're going to have a lack of impact off it and, you know, squad depth's not as good. I think it's great experiences for those players who hopefully will start getting bits of game time if they're going to be called upon like Riley has been called upon. So yeah, and someone someone who's been given more of a chance lately has been Casey Palmer. He was back at Swansea. Um, it was a polarizing performance. I think it's fair to say, Coxie, you've definitely got a strong opinion of mm. of which way as well. So I'll let you take the floor. I I saw a lot of well, obviously angry with the penalty because it was it was stupid. It's questionable decision, maybe. I'll probably say it is a penalty though, and it is lazy. But I thought for the first hour, when we weren't in the game, I thought he was standout, our best outfield player. Obviously, Dan Bentley took it. But outfield, I thought he was the only one, you know, riding challenges, as always, winning fouls, riding challenges. Um, a few nice touches here and there, but there just wasn't enough around him at that point. Um, and then as soon as we started bringing the game to them. You know, we showed them way too much respect for the first hour. It was awful. You know, we just let them play it around us. We were like, oh my God, it's Swansea. They've only lost once at home and they're really, really good. Once we actually took it to them, like we did against Borough from the first whistle, you know, we started actually getting bodies forward, finding gaps. And that is that is literally where you want Casey Palmer. Um, thought he was... Ignoring the goal, I thought he was just brilliant at finding pockets... As I said, riding challenges, winning fouls, as he always does. Um, touches to little little flick-ons to players and, you know, finding the, the pass that isn't necessarily always the easy pass, which, you know, is sometimes where you can get frustrated with Casey Palmer. But when he pulls it off, which he does eight, nine times out of ten, we're in a much better, better position than we were ten seconds before. And then you add the goal in <laughs> and, you know... That was just mental. Me and Doss just sat on the sofa thinking, oh, you know, it's a corner. Oh my God, we've scored from a corner. Um, we told our housemate we'd scored from a corner and he didn't really get it. He thought, you know, we just got ahead and we were like, no, we scored from <laughs> the corner, Cam. Um, so I think that just capped it off. He was so clearly buzzing, um, you know, scoring at Swansea where I think he expected to make a bigger impact than he did. You know, he's got a baby on the way, so he did the baby celebration. He just genuinely seemed buzzing. Today. And everyone seemed buzzing it's for today, him. is it, Doss? Should mm. be today, shouldn't June it? today. So, oh. hopefully, Exciting. he's capped off one hell of a week. Um, but, you know, just really happy for him. Genuinely really happy to see him putting in these performances now and just hoping we can, you know, keep him at this level for the majority of the rest of the season. Yeah, Pearson said in his post-match that, um, because I think he said, that they asked, you know, obviously you won't want to pick out individuals, but Casey Palmer was, was good. And I think he said something along the lines of, like, after the penalty, he had a point to prove. But, mm. Doss, do you think that kind of sums up his City career generally? It always feels like he's had had still had to prove himself, still had critics against him, not had a manager, really, that's had full faith in him. Do you think then, maybe under Pearson, we might see more of this side of Casey Palmer. I love Casey Palmer. I've said that a lot. I think this is probably his best run in, of games in a City shirt since he's been recalled from Swansea, which is a bit odd. But I think I always remember the game. I don't think it was the FA Cup game against Bolton. I know he scored in the league against them, but it was a month or so after he joined. And he was absolutely incredible. I remember, I think, yeah, we won 2-1. I think it was Worldies from o Elias and maybe O'Dowda. But I remember just coming up off of that thinking... Casey Palmer, what a player we've got on our hands here. He was, he was brilliant. He just went past players for fun. And he just looked too good for the championship that day. He looked too, I know it was in the cup or whatever, but Baltimore mm -hmm. championship team at the time. And he was he's just brilliant. I thought this guy's got so much natural ability. His ceiling's so high. And for whatever reason, it hasn't happened for him. You know, various managers, Lee Johnson, maybe not quite a fan of his. I think particularly after that Shrewsbury loss where Johnson almost seemed to 
shift the blame to Casey Palmer for losing Aaron Pierre. But we all know how good he is. It's good that he's finally getting run of games because when on his day, he, he is a match winner. And I think he just needs a few more goals, a few more assists till people really start realising his value because on a game where you are on the the back foot, you need an outball. I think when our wing-backs aren't providing that, Casey Palmer can provide that winning free kicks, going past players, giving the team some ground. And I thought he was superb and he's deserved a goal from his recent showings because he's had a few efforts, I think, against Preston a few weeks ago where he had a few that just sailed or were whipped narrowly wide or narrowly over. I think it's about time he scored a goal because he's been, he's been deserving one. Yeah, another player that deserves to score a goal, Antoine Semenyo, his first championship goal. <laughs> How good was that to see? I mean, it's it's a com- it's a comedy goal, but it's still like the the product of hard work and and pressing and and really having you know the desire to get on the ball. So, I mean, credit to him, Coxie. Yeah, um, keepers had an absolute nightmare there, hasn't he? <laughs> um, yeah, you could just again an- another player. I think all three players who scored um, were quite clearly buzzing. I think Naki Wells, you know, that was a huge goal. The first goal. Um, me and Doss. When's the last time he scored in back-to-back games, Naki Wells? Oh, must be ages. God. Sure. Do that research. Go Maybe on. Stoke was Stoke Forest back-to-back. I'll have a look if you like. Yeah, go, go and have a look. Sure. Um, <laughs> I thought Naki Wells. You know, me and Doss celebrated. That's the most I think I've celebrated a goal, to be honest, for a long, long time. That or Palmer's second. Um, <laughs> I thought he was obviously buzzing with his goal. That was a great goal. Casey Palmer was buzzing with his. Um, and then you know just to cap it all off Semenyo goes and grabs his goal which he's so obviously deserved in the league he got the one in the cup the other one you know he's got a couple in the different cup competitions this season but um, I think he needed to sort of break the deadlock in the league um, and it doesn't matter how they come you know as, as long as as long as he put it in the back of the net um, he's happy we're happy um, yeah and hopefully We'll see just more of it because yeah. it is what he's... The one thing he's lacking at the moment really is end product. He's got a lot um, going for him there. To answer the Naki Wells back-to-back uh, games thing, Doss, what was your shout for it? I was thinking Stoke and Forest. Then I think I remember, was it Reading and Reading? KPR? Yeah. Correct. Ago. Yeah. yeah. 18, 18 games. 18 games it's taken. But he seems to score in spurts, hasn't he? He seems to score in a back-to-back game or two yeah. and three or whatever, then we'll go ten without scoring. Yeah, Stoke Forest was... There was Sheffield Wednesday in between. Uh, um, So you weren't far off, but yeah. I'm, I'm, you are my encyclopedia of of knowing when players have scored goals because fucking hell, I don't know how you remember them. Like, how do you remember so many games? Because we, we play this game a lot, don't we, Doss, where... Mm. We just name a fixture from like four years ago and you somehow still remember the scoreline and goal scorers. Mm. Well, I went for a phase of just watching, I think in lockdown, watching football highlights back on YouTube. That might, might have helped. Was that when the football wasn't on? Yeah, just That's watching on YouTube. isn't it? Watching on YouTube, <laughs> watching highlights from a few years ago. And yeah, seems to stick with me. You've got a great knowledge, my friend. Should we get into some player ratings oh, before we... Uh, do the uh, <laughs> before we do the questions, we'll do player ratings, shall we? We'll start with Dan Bentley. Nine um, kept us in the game, and we probably wouldn't have got anything from it without him. Nine. Dan and Louise, by the way. Uh, yeah, the nine for me. Don't <laughs> to, to say much more. We know how good he is, and hopefully, he's our player next year. Are you worried that he might be moved on then, Dos? Because I know we kind of discussed mm. it on the pod last week that potentially do you sell Bentley and reinvest that money? But when he puts in performances like that, God, it's hard to think about letting him go, isn't it? The thing is, it's it's an awkward one because I am a huge fan of Max O'Leary and I think we all know he is more than good enough to be a championship goalkeeper by now and he's at the age where he needs to play games. So it's at the stage where do you, if you're Max O'Leary, you think he's maybe, he can't really have another loan for his development. Yeah. Do you either stick him as number one or do you sell him? So I doubt he's going to want another season as number two. So that's the the awkward thing. So I, I think I said a few pods ago, I wouldn't be too against selling Bentley to reinvest the funds on the rest of the squad. But performances like that, he is priceless and he has got to be worth 15, 20 points a season, this season especially. But then again, I just it's difficult because I'm, yeah, I'm such a Max O'Leary fan, but you can't justify selling Dan Bentley based off of the performances this season unless there's a big, big fee. 
and he wants to yeah. go, of course. How much would you take for him, Doss? If and you can't just say a hundred million. Be realistic. <laughs> I think you look probably maybe looking at five to ten with the current mm-hmm. climate. I don't think you can demand much more than that. But that's a significant figure. I look at around the squad and I think who else is maybe worth that. You think we? I think we looked on transfer market cox. I think Masengo is still classed as our highest, uh, our biggest asset in terms of transfer value, which which makes sense with his potential and all that. And then you mm-hmm. think Zach Viner as well. Uh, I fear he could be a, a sell given now he's proven himself in midfield, defence, he's still only 23 years of age. But I think Dan Bentley, you've got to do everything you can to keep hold of him unless, as I say, the Premier League club comes in and he wants a move because you can't hold it against him. I don't think if we do finish, let's say, mid-table and he does have a Premier League opportunity, you and can't also, hold that against yeah. him. And also, call me absolutely mental, but if he makes a move to a Premier League club, he could play for England. I don't I don't yeah. rate Pickford on, on as highly as as I've seen Dan Bentley perform. There's no there's no doubt in my mind, if he did make a move to a Premier League club, he'd be in the conversation with Nick Pope and, and Jordan Pickford. It's just, when you're in the Championship, you don't get that same attention, do you, Coxie? No, I, I genuinely don't think he's far off many of those England goalkeepers, to be honest. But I do think he would need a Premier League move to, as you said, get in the conversation. Because that's just how things, how things work. I know Doss likes to talk about the fact that... We- Ivan Tony's never in the mm. conversation for England call-ups or whatever after scoring what seems like every bloody game. Um, so, you know, I think the only championship player to ever be called up was, or recently anyway, was Calvin Phillips, but he was basically guaranteed to get promoted anyway, maybe. Jay Boffroyd maybe at Cardiff. Yeah. Ten years ago. But the point of, I think I think with Tony, I will, it's not so much, I, I wouldn't put him in the squad, but it's when play, players like I don't know. Ings. Players having bang average seasons like Danny Ings and stuff. I, I picked Tony over Danny Ings at the minute for England. Uh, Danny Ings has maybe got a goal, you know, maybe about eight goals this season. But I'm just seeing players like Danny Welbeck was had short odds to get in the the squad for the Euros than Ivan Tony. Danny Welbeck, I think Tony was 250 to one. He scored 24, 25 goals with nine assists this year. It's not just the goals; he's got the joint top assist in the league as well. And it makes me think what. Does a championship player have to do to get into that squad? Is it just do you have to be in the Premier League or do you not? I know it makes sense because the best players are in the Premier League, but if you are having an extraordinary season like Tony, where everything he's touching is turning to goals, surely you go for the form player rather than someone like even in the debates. You know, Tammy Abraham has he played enough football? Would you would you pick uh, Tony over Tammy Abraham? It's a it's an awkward one. I just think is it kind of is there absolutely no chance of making the squad if you are not in the Premier League because Bentley if you know, I, I doubt Southgate's watched too much championship football, but Bentley's been performing to such a high level that it's got to have got some sort of attention, you think? It's such an interesting one as well, on strikers specifically, because it's such a confidence position. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're Ivan Tony, you you must be on cloud nine each week when you're going into the game thinking, oh, I'm definitely scoring today. You take someone like Danny Ings, or like you said, Tammy Abraham, who's... Danny Ings has, has been out with injury, hasn't really hit the same heights he did last season. Tammy Abraham's played second fiddle to Timo Werner, who definitely hasn't um, kicked on. You And you look at someone like Ivan Tony, week in, week out, the guy just smashes it. But his confidence must be through the roof. And that's what you want. If if you know he's not going to start, because you've probably got Kane and Calvert-Lewin ahead of him. If you want a conf- like a player off, off the bench, I, c- I can't think of many better in that position at the moment for like form. So next up, Zach Viner. Um, I think he had an average sec- first half, sorry, but obviously had a brilliant second. Um, I would have given him a six for the first and eight for the second, so I'll, g- I'll give a seven. Average ting. Lovely. Doss? Eight for me, changed the game. Yeah, completely changed the dynamic moving into his field offers so much. I, I still see his future as, as a centre-back. I think maybe he's not got the passing ability for a centre midfielder, but the way he picked out Naki Wells... You know, it shows he can do it. So a solid eight for me, just because I think he changed the game in Mari- our favour. Mariapa? Um, I will go with... I mean, I don't really want to give him any more than Viner. I might have to change my Viner rating. We can't retroactively change it, No, James. but... It's not VAR for our player rating. But I, I feel like Mariapa deserves an eight. Um, but I, I'd say... Now, I'll give Mariapa a seven... Um, because I don't think, again, it was a perfect performance from us, especially for the first hour. But Mariapa did save a certain goal with that goal on clearance, um, which 
you know, he gets at least two points for that. Um, yeah, I think he was just solid again, worked in the four, worked in the five. And as I said, the goal line clearance was absolutely clutch. So, yeah, seven. Mariapa for me, the way he's improved in recent weeks has been has been great. I think he's been very good in the last few games, playing in the middle of the back three. It suits him down to the ground. I don't know Andrew Pearson likes him from his time at Watford, but yeah, really good performances of late. I'm going to give him a, a seven. I think he he's, he was a bit of a leader as well, about that at the heart of the heart of the back line. So seven for me. Thomas Callas. Oh, I think another good captain's performance. I'd say again, pretty average. I'd probably give all of the sort of original back three or seven, including Callas. I think obviously in the first half there were moments we were exposed, um, and then again in the first sort of ten minutes of the second. But I do think it was a very good performance again, so I'll give a seven. I agree, seven. Just it was good. It was good. I didn't really notice him too much in terms of on the ball, but again, the leadership for Tyler was what you what you like to see from a captain. And yeah, I didn't really know, didn't notice him too much, but I think when he had to co- come over and cover for Roberts's marauding runs, he did so. Jack Hunt? Um, didn't really notice Hunty at all. It's kind of been the trend recently. Normally used to sort of noticing him as either incredible or incredibly bad. <laughs> um, but again, I really notice him because they didn't really go down our right-hand side because, funnily enough, they were focusing on the other flank. Um, I might be wrong here, but I think he just kind of haven't had an average game, so I'd give him a six. I don't agree again, but it's a six for me. I think in the first half, we struggled to get out. We struggled to use our wing-backs as outlets, which you'd hope Hunt could do, but defensively didn't really get beaten much. I think I think Bidwell had to t- try to take him on a few occasions, but couldn't. But yeah, even then you got Ayu and, and Lowe drifting wide, which will have caused problems as well. But yeah, again, I didn't really notice him. I haven't really noticed in the last few games, which I've probably been wanting to happen because the way he had been in that bad run. But yeah, six meal, just quite average. You two are so in sync. It's adorable. <laughs> Casey Palmer? Um... Instantly, obviously, minusing a couple for a penalty. But other than that, um, for me, he was pretty much, you know, as good as he, not as good as he could be, but I think he carried us in our lower moments um, and then took the ball by the horns in the bigger moments. So I, I, even though I gave him man of the match over Bentley, I'm going to give him a lower rating, which is weird, but I'll give him an eight. I don't want to agree again because I think this is a clean sweep. <laughs> eight again. Eight, yep. Gave away the penalty, which has, he has to be a doctor point for, but his all-round game was superb and got the goal he has been deserving. And I just hope we continue to give him a chance to show what he can do because he's definitely one of the most talented players in the squad. And when he's on his best, he's almost unplayable in the championship. Eight. Back, Backinson? Um... Had a slightly quieter game, I'd say, than on Tuesday or in the week, whenever it was. Um, but again, impressive. I'd say a pretty good back into performance. I'd give him a seven. I wanted to go the next one first. It wasn't like I'm copying James all the time, but I'm going to go seven as well. But whoever's next, I want to go first, just so I don't look like I'm copying James. All right. That's fine. I can okay. sort that out for you, but go on. Seven for back in some. Anything else to add? No. Nope. <laughs> right, Doss, you can yeah. start on this one then. Adam Naj. Adam Naj, uh, seven as well. I think I didn't, again, I didn't notice him too much, but the way he just, I think that's when Adam Naj is at his best, when he's almost a silent uh, destroyer in the midfield, just taking interceptions, winning the balls. He works so hard. I think he has work cut out against Grimes in particular, who's a, a brilliant box to box player, but I think Naj coped well, team under pressure. But he just kept winning the ball back and kept playing things simple, which allows the more adventurous Backinson to, to thrive. So for me, it's a seven for Adam Nash. Oh, I don't want to agree, but I'm going to have to agree. I don't oh. think it was a it was an eight exactly from Nash. Um, I just thought, again, like Doss said, did his business, did it quietly. Um, again, similar to Backinson, wasn't as sort of noticeable as midweek. But again, just as important. Um, so I give him a seven. 
You two need to be more controversial. <laughs> there may be disagreements on this, but uh, Riley Towler. Four? This three, no three. Uh, I just think Ooh. he was a walking red card. Yeah, he, uh, we've got to be honest, we've got to treat him as a senior player. And although he, he tried, to me, he just looked almost like fish out of water at times in the first half. Um, yeah, he was clearly targeted. It wasn't his fault. It's not being the lab, but he shouldn't be where he is, I don't think. I know he's good against Middlesbrough, etc. But I think he's just been fast-tracked. And it's again, no fault of his own, no fault of the clubs. It's just because of the injury situation. And I think... I don't think we'd have him playing at championship level just yet. So if we're basing it just on performance, it's a three because I think he could have easily have cost us a man and a few goals in the first half. I'm going to say four because I do think they did target him, which meant they constantly had overloads. They constantly had the striker running in behind. Um, and at the end of the day, we didn't concede in the first half. And as much as you can credit Bentley for that, you know, we didn't concede in the first half, so it didn't actually cost us a man or a goal, um, although it was slightly worrying. So I'll give him a four. <laughs> I think it just, yeah, it, it, that's going to happen occasionally and it's okay because, mm-hmm. you know, he shouldn't be getting a run at running the team at, at this age and in a position that he's actually not. I think people forget he's not. Um, I don't think he ever has really been a left wing back or a left back. He's sort of a, I think he's a sort of future central midfielder. Um so I, I think he copes well, um, but yeah, he he was exposed. So four. And while we're here, Sessegnon. Um, ooh, I'll go first again because <laughs> normal service resumed. I think he was pretty good, to be fair. Um, just seems sort of reliable. Um, didn't offer a huge amount, but he's still getting his fitness back. To be totally honest, by the sounds of it. Um, so I. I'd say a six, but yeah, I'd say a six. I think you just gave us some solidity. I'm going to go for seven. I'm really impressed by him. I know he's very capable of playing uh, on the left, which he did very well. I think there was a number of occasions where he arrived in the box. I think that was about three times where he was doing stepovers on the left inside the penalty area and, you know, won a yard of space due to that. He's a very tricky player. And I thought he was immense. I thought he changed the outlook of the game when he came on. I, I thought I understand that they're managing his minutes, but I thought once he got wrestling against Middlesbrough, he would come in to start this game, particularly against Roberts. I think he was okay against Barnsley, but again, who was above a six in that game? No one really. And I thought I was really impressed by him. He's a he's a terrific young player and changed the game seven. Terrific, love that. Uh, for Marajiju, uh, ooh. Obviously had a much quieter game than midweek, um, but he battled. I'd give him a six because I don't think he was, you know, above average, but I think that was a, it was a decent fan performance. Six. It was, yeah, very average. Um, not vintage by any means, but I think he allowed Wells a lot of space. He occupied the, the minds of the Swansea back three a lot. So I would say a six. He just didn't. Didn't really get any opportunities, but when he when he was called upon, I think he had a few heavy touches, but that's from our Jeju this season. But yeah, six. And Naki Wells to finish. Well, we'll also do nine. Um, I thought he took his chance absolutely brilliantly. Um, Such a good finish. And once again, he was, you know, he was pretty good in the press. Um, played a decent part in sort of build up. I'll give, I'll give him an eight. I think purely he was unlucky not to get a second. Yeah, he was unlucky not to get a second as well. He went quite close. I think in the second half, didn't he? When one went just past the post. Mm, I just thought he was. Yeah, yeah, this is it's, it's nice to see him being played actually up top. Um, and when you play a sort of striker up top with service in behind him, a good striker next to him, um, we're hopefully going to finally get the best out of him. Yeah. What did you make of it, Dos? Eight. I think it wasn't just his goal; it was all round play. We've criticised him a few times of being lazy, not offering anything when he's not scoring. But the press was there. He was almost the trigger of that press, uh, especially in the first half, I thought. When we needed an out ball, he was always running onto something because it, he was feeding off scraps. And I think we had a nice little thing going where it was clearly the plan to have JJ knocking things onto Wells because I saw that used a few times. We were trying to ping the ball into JJ's head. But promising, I was going to say something else, but I forgot him. So, yeah, I'll just leave it at an eight. Mm-hmm. Took, his, took his only chance of the game very well. He's ended up on the left again, which I think in the second half, which was a bit odd, but 
when he's almost as almost an inside forward, it's not necessarily on the left wing. He's almost cutting in and arriving late from the left, like he did for the Viner's goal. I think that suits him because you see the top players in world football. You see Sadio Mane. You 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 really class him as a forward. It's not like he plays in the left wing. I think I was similar to Wells in the in the second half at times. So I'll give him an eight. Just got on with it. Yeah. And I'll let you um, start with the manager rating. His first ever, Nigel Pearson. What did you make of his managerial performance? I'm going an eight. I think that was a few things. I'll go, I'll go for a nine. I'll get carried away. I'll go for a nine because he did change the game <laughs> with that formation switch. The, the substitution is as harsh as it was. I think I, I, I was calling for it half an hour into the game with, with Coxie because I could tell that there's something, either a goal or a mistake or a red card coming from... Riley Taylor, so I think he, he managed that well, arm around the shoulder as well, and then praised him in the press conference. So to pick up the team like he has after the dismal run of losses, seven in a row, is credit to him. He's clearly the the man that we need right now. It's it's refreshing that a club have appointed a manager of his stature, and it's yeah, just a nine. The way he switched formation was was brilliant, and it completely changed the game. Got a different tone out of the players. Tune even, mm. not tone. That's the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with a nine because um, I think the argument that, you know, he's made the tactical change, um, which he had to make, I think he was right to go into the game unchanged after Borough. I think it could have been easy for a new manager to come in and rip that all up. But he quite clearly saw a good team in there. So he went unchanged. He made that Taylor sub made a pretty much perfect tactical change. I mean, Antoine came on and scored as well, so substitutions were on point. Masengo got his typical five-minute cameo, which is always good to see. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with a nine. And he's just, you know, he, he had Hummel trainers on. So, <laughs> like, I didn't even hard to not give him a ten. He is Did Bristol City that? Football Club through and through, I saw. You know, so. Did no. you know that Hummel trainers existed? I didn't. The po- I'm not... The polo's all right. I think the tracksuits are nicer. Because I saw mm. Nigel was rocking the polo, and I thought, that is a man that didn't would he? I think he a had polo. a gilet on, didn't he? Good old Did body yeah. warmer. I think he's... Yeah, in the post-match, he had just his polo on, so he must have been oh. absolutely buzzing with the well, result. I think he's... <laughs> Get the gilet on. Really off. <laughs> buying into the, the whole ethos of the club that I think in the few weeks, I have Bristol Sport running all over him, whatever. maybe a Bristol Bears beanie on, a Bristol <laughs> Flyers jacket on. Head tattoos. Potentially, I think Bristol City woman uh, shorts on or whatever. I'm just seeing him really buying into it and just going for the full, the full kit, full mix-up kit. You know, Bristol Bears, Bristol Flies, Bristol City, Bristol City woman, all in there because he's, he's buying into it. But yeah, I liked the GA. It was very much the polo, the short sleeves with the GA on on top of it. So yeah, it looked looked like a hard man that would fight off seven Romanian wolves or whatever they were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, his birthday's in August, so if we could um, sort him out a um, Bristol Sport voucher by then, mm. that would be absolutely great, wouldn't it? Just get him a voucher. All the fans put oh, something to get a crowdfunder, get like a two thousand <laughs> pound Bristol Sport voucher. <laughs> Think how many gilets you can get with that, Nigel. Oh, what Can else do they sell? We get him a load of mugs. We can get him some mugs, scarfs. We can get scarfs. Oh. Get him some for his car as well. Get him like an an air freshener oh or something. When he said Bristol Sport air fresheners, I he said know. he likes his his hobbies are walking, and he I think he, does he still live in Devon? I know he was living in Devon at the point, he might have moved up to Bristol or whatever, or might be planning to. But yeah, for his maybe country walks in Devon, get him some get him some boots or whatever. Bristol Sport boots, I'm not sure they do them, but Bristol Sport walking boots, <laughs> just get him get him some uh, get him some gear. Alter- alternative um alternative question: If you you were you were good friends with Nigel Pearson, you had to buy him something for his birthday. Mm-hmm. What what would you get him and why? Um, the home kit with Jiju Nine on the back. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a sight to see. <laughs> Wear it on the touchline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Come laughs> accident- accidentally get subbed on. That gif of them was brilliant. I think Coxie showed it to me just oh, to throw across yeah. the table. Jiju and Pearson at full time, just embracing, oh. which was brilliant. It's James Cox's wet dream. Mm. That <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was nice to see. <laughs> what would you get him, Doss? You went down the walking path. I assume a, a sturdy pair of mountain warehouse shoes would probably be your, mm. your go-to. I've been trying to think, but maybe, yeah, Cree says he likes walking in his spare time. His, his fought off some walls. I think I'm getting some gloves, uh, walking gloves, so that he can hold his walking sticks or whatever they are, those two poles that walkers have. And when, a, when the wolves jumps. do attack, he'll be better 
prepared because he said it scarred him for a long time, that wolf attack. So now he getting some gloves, he can properly fight them off mm. and break the jaws off. Mm. Like we know he'd That's all enjoy to yeah. do because he seems that kind of bloke. But I love it. A gilet is basically an yeah. acting stab vest as well, isn't it? You put mm. a couple of gilets on, you are protected. <laughs> so he's fully equipped. You're like the Michelin man, though, which is a bit of an issue. Gouge the eye out of a wolf. <laughs> this, is, this is the kind of man we're, we're dealing with, gouging the eyes out of wolves. Christ. And he gouged the... I couldn't beat a wolf in a fight. Let alone no seven. Way. I don't think any of you three of us could. Yeah. How? Okay. Mental. It's an interesting story. Uh, we've got some lovely questions from our lovely listeners. Nice. Uh, Chris Hall was asked, back in New Year's, if you were offered uh, City to lose 12 games in the next 16 matches, but Nigel Pearson would become City manager afterwards, mm. would you have taken it? Snapped your hand off me. Yeah. To be honest, I think. Probably, yeah. It's either we wait till the end of the season, maybe replace Dean Holden then, and Nigel Pearson's gone, because I think he's the perfect and the best man for the job. I'll say no, I think the Barnsley loss was mm-hmm. a blessing because... It proved to the club and Steve Lansdowne that we had to act quickly, which we did. And I think all in all, we're better set for next season now than under any other scenario with Pearson. I know he's, maybe you could say Pearson with an extra year in his contract, but the way he spoke on Wednesday, it sounded very clear that he wanted to get the um, extension signed when possible. So he does seem here for the long term. And that is the most promising thing to happen to the football club in years. I yeah, think I right remember having a conversation with the boys about it. Sorry, Coxie. I remember oh having God. a conversation with the boys. I think it was not long after the Watford loss. And I was saying, you look at the next sort of fi- load of fixtures. It was directly after Watford, actually. Mm-hmm. I was like, Reading, Barnsley, Middlesbrough, Swansea, Bournemouth. Like, you don't really want to give a new manager those fixtures. I, I was my perception. So I thought maybe they'll hold, give Holden a few more games and let the the awful fixtures get out of the way and then make the move but I'm so so glad that they made it earlier than I that. think with the because two sorry with the championship though you never can accommodate for that because Swansea they lost yeah. 4-1 to Coventry no 4-1 to Huddersfield scraped past Coventry and were in a bit of a bad way whereas you look at Birmingham who won 2-3 and three and came very close against Norwich you probably weigh that up and think Birmingham is crazy as it may seem may seem maybe t- end up being a tougher game than, than Swansea at this moment in time I think the championship mm-hmm. can switch so quickly it only takes Bournemouth, I think, prior to the weekend were in a bad run themselves and they're vulnerable with that top six spot. Reading are in dire form compared to the bottom of the league. I think QPR went seven or eight without losing. So the way it can switch up so quick yeah. in the championship, I just think you never know where your toughest mm. game is going to come from. Yeah, that's a good point. What were you going to say, Coxie? Completely forgotten. Be oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I've got it. Um, I think a lot of people rightfully said they sort of wanted Nigel back in back in the summer or sort of earlier. Um, but I think in his presser, he definitely said he'd turned down at least one, maybe a couple of opportunities, sort of maybe November Wednesday time. One of them. So, you know, I think the timing has kind of just worked out and we've we've got very, very lucky. Obviously, we were the worst team in the league two games ago, but I think we are particularly lucky at the moment to um to have managed to get Pearson in because I don't think at any other point of the season it would have been possible. Yeah. Next question is from Del Brooks. Uh do you think the mentality of the players has changed? And if so, why? Would we have lost yesterday's game under Dean Holden or even Lee Johnson? Yes is a simple answer. I think... Go on Coxie. Yeah, but I think we also have to be cautious. Because it is only two games and it is a new manager bounce, which, you know, is always going to happen. Obviously, all the signs are positive. I'm not I'm not denying that. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, shit on any future hopes. But I think there, there does have to be caution. You know, we've won two games now. Um, we've put in two performances that, you know, we should be expecting. You know, we've just been... Pro- not promised. We've been, you know, given such dire football for so long now that a couple of wins <laughs> and we're going up. It was but, like England going into the um, 2018 World Cup, right? It's yeah. kind of that sort of vibe yeah. where the expectations were so low that anything average or above average seemed incredible. Yeah. I do think that there does seem to be signs of, you know, a potential shift though. And hopefully there is. I think just the appointment of Pearson himself is 
a huge stamp of intent, you know, and I think the players might realise that and they clearly want to impress him and want to put out their best and, you know, get in his team because I think they know that his team could do pretty good things over the next couple of years. So, yeah, yeah. just approach with caution is all I'd say, but I do think there are signs. Yeah, well, linking to that, Adam Robinson asked, uh, it sounds ridiculous to even mention playoffs due to recent form, but two wins on the bounce. Is it completely out of the picture? And I'll throw that to you, Doss. I think it, a lot depends on the midweek game against Bournemouth. Because if it be Bournemouth, I think they're in sixth currently. Then, what, we're four points behind them, almost? I think that... I think it's five. Is it? Yeah. I well, think. if we do beat them, even still five points, is still difficult. But yeah. we'd have played... Uh, Norwich twice, would have played Bournemouth twice, would have played Watford twice, uh, wouldn't have played Brentford Swansea. twice, but would have played Swansea twice, exactly. So I think all it takes is a run. It, you know, there always seems to be a team in the Championship that arrives out of nowhere. I think 18 to 19 season, Villa were almost 13th at this stage and ended up finishing fifth and winning the playoffs. So it's, it's so, momentum is crucial. And if we can pick up, a, it, don't get me wrong, we'll have to win the vast, vast majority of our games. But picking up points against the teams around us and above us now is something we've not done well enough this season. And if we can do that, then things can change so quickly. So, yeah, five points, four points would still be a lot. But yeah, it's four. Yeah, it's four. It would Sorry. still be a lot. <laughs> you were, but right? it's it's four yeah. points is doable. I feel, especially with what is it, thirteen Jeez. games left at the moment. There's, and with you know, there's still Bournemouth, a long way. Uh, Jonathan Woodgate does not strike me. If I was a Bournemouth fan, I would not, despite beating Watford, who had a brilliant run under Cisco, whatever his name is, beating Bournemouth, I think is very doable. You know, Pearson or, not, or Jonathan Woodgate, I know who I'd rather have. I think, would you rather Pearson four points behind Jonathan Woodgate or Jonathan Woodgate four points having just lost to Nigel Pearson's side? I think we'd be very well set if we do manage to beat them. It's, still, it's a big if, but, you know, it's possible. I don't want to be a grumpy old uh, fart, but it was only two games ago that we were the club... There's always t- there's always two teams in the championship. One that makes a late charge for the playoffs, and one that drops like a stone to relegation. And two games ago, we were the one that drops like a stone to relegation, and now we're potentially the one that puts on a mammoth run. So I'm Football's fickle, James. I'm a bit Football's confused. Fickle. It, it right. is a week is a ridiculously long time in football these days. Um, but yeah, but I, there's nothing. Doss has said nothing wrong. Everything he said is possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Robbins on tour asked, have we hit the jackpot with Nigel Pearson? Is yes. he the one with a crown emoji, which I think was very what? fitting after his photos last week? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just hit yeah. anything else? Dots? No. Yeah. Yep. I think whether, if we can get him tied down for the next few seasons, then I don't see any other, free one Arsenal, uh, I don't see any other outcome other than <laughs> perhaps promotion. <laughs> because he, I think the reviews he, we, he we've got, sorry, from Leicester fans and Watford fans in particular, I know we'll ignore the Derby fan reviews, but given the way that they've been almost supporting us or looking out for our results, I think in particular Leicester's case on Twitter, I've seen a lot, it kind of shows the regard they hold the man in. And he's been there, he's done it, and it's very, very exciting. I think there's no one else, no other appointment that would have got me this excited about the club moving forward. So let's hope so. It is, again, as Cocky said, it could be a new manager bounce, but given his track record, it seems seems unlikely and that he is just a class yeah. manager. Yeah, touching on sort of the long-term uh, approach with Nigel Pearson, JSP Brady Radio's back. Um, he said, firstly, oh, cheers for the comments made Good about question, my question man. on episode 45. Yes. Yeah, it was the one where it was the players and managers yes. linked. Mm-hmm. He's back. Yeah, he, he said, said um, five in one here. It's, it's a long question. I think we might five have to skip questions. over one of the... Um, Technically, it's five in one, but I'm skipping over one part because it would be incredibly long for you we guys. Do, to do quick fire. Do quick fire. Do quick fire. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Come on. Only choose one answer for questions one to three. Um, oh, no. Context. You're Nigel Pearson. You've signed a new long term deal in the summer. All out of contract players are to leave and all injured players have returned. Which out of contract player would you keep? Liam Walsh. Uh, Walsh or Fam. I would go with. Controversially, I'd go with Famara Gigi. That's not yeah. a controversial. Which player would you... And that's not quick fire, but... No, but I mean, over Picking Walsh. the club's top goal scorer for 
two seasons. Well, quick <laughs> like, it's going to be this season. I know, but I've, I've diverged, but I don't think... Yeah, huge if true, James. Um, this is the whole squad. This is the whole squad. Which player would you sell? Uh, Nathan Baker. Well, not sell, because he's uh, out of contract. Release, release Nathan <laughs> Baker. I mean, if if it's... If it's release, then Baker. If it's sell a player that, you know, hasn't left yet, it would be... Fuck. Chris Martin. Hakeem Adelikon. And uh, he said, which player would you buy or sign on a free? I'd be looking at the um, Preston ones. I think Ben Davis would have been the ideal. I know he would have gone to a Prem move, but... Yeah. I, I haven't looked at the out of contract. I was looking... Yeah. To be honest. I can go through JSP. Uh, can we go he through players? He went for Niambi. That's for exactly who I was going to say because I was looking at the other day at potential like EFL right-sided full-back wing-back replacements. And obviously, I know Doss is a big Dabo fan. Um, but I was looking at Niambe's numbers at Blackburn um, and I think they've genuinely, genuinely been impressive. And I think if Blackburn keep dropping as they do, maybe even sack Tony Mowbray, then I think there could be some sales there, especially of their best players. Um, and I think if we've got a good, good thing going on, I think Niambe could definitely become a thing. So what he said, Niambe? Yeah, so his answers were G- to keep Juju, uh, sell mm-hmm. Martin and um, bring in Niambe. Oh, we've so, had the same answers. Pretty similar to you, yeah. Doss, is there anyone you've got your eyes on for the summer? With the, this year I've got with the championship is, I look at whoever, whoever's impressed me this season, I'm thinking... In, in the, on the left side, particularly Omar Richards and Callum Styles, they're being lined up by the Europe's elite, not just not just the Premier League, Europe's elite. I think Richard, Richards to Bayern Munich and Styles. You know, people are saying he's the best English left back or whatever. But that's why I, I'm going to go back to the old Dabo suggestion because I can't think of anyone else. Quite frankly, I think if you're talking no. like players that have impressed you in the Championship, then it's just very difficult to attain. So I'm going to go Dabo. If Coventry do get relegated, then Dabo, I mm-hmm. think, would be my pick again. Yeah. But but if Cadawari came up on a free, you'd, you'd still go for him, yeah? <laughs> well, we're doing a burning <laughs> career mode at the minute in the house. We a are. joint three-man career mode. We've got Cadawari. He got, what, 13 goals in nine? It's a shame he's got... Yeah. He's starting games regularly for Leon. That's the issue we've got. <laughs> um, and his bonus question, uh, JSP Brady Radio, his last, last one for him, was, given his playing time under Nigel Pearson at Watford, and the potential chance of him signing a new long-term deal in the summer, would Mariapa stay at the club in a similar role to Gil Martin? Um, Good question. Yeah. I think maybe it's a bit early to say, because I think only now has he begun to make a genuine, genuinely positive impact on the team. Um, and you never know how close a player is to, not retirement, but, you know to the point Mariapa still might want another two years of first team football, which we probably couldn't offer him. Um, but he seems like a a good person to have around the camp. I'd hope he is. Um, and I think maybe with that Pearson link, then it's potentially a good suggestion. I think maybe see how the rest of the season goes and go from there. For me, it's wage dependent because if he is on, let's say 10, 20 grand a week at most, I remember when our figures got leaked a few weeks or months ago that Jill Martin was, you know, comfortably the lowest earner at the club uh, in terms of the playing squad. And it makes sense. He's a third choice goalkeeper and he's made more appearances at Robins TV than he has in the first team. So <laughs> with Mariapa, if you offer him to that, that kind of role, he would think it has to be a significant pay cut and he would almost have to be in the knowledge that his playing time will be short and that it wouldn't be, let's say, a career swan song as such. It would be kind of a role almost transitioning to a coach. Because you can't, I don't think you can justify mm. that on first that role on first team wages, but to have him around as yeah. a centre back for another option, uh, it's difficult. Well, I, I personally wouldn't. I don't think unless he was willing to take a, a wage cut. Because I imagine he's on a fair whack, and to me, it was a temporary well, signing. Yeah. If you were to release Baker, you almost have to keep Mariapa. I feel mm. unless you're going to bring in mm. more centre backs, you have to at least keep him. So it is an interesting one. It'll be really we interesting. We certainly in need summer. another centre back, maybe even two in the in the summer. We've needed to get uh-huh. a, a couple in, I think, for the last year or so. Um, yeah. Kipre not playing at West Brom, bring that one back. Mm-hmm. He'll be having to yeah. go back to the champ. You'd think, unless they get relegated and want him for their championship campaign, which would make sense. 
tap into his availability. I think he was going on loan to Preston at one point in January. So I'd like to see, brilliant at Wigan last season, but made me to West Brom and it hasn't mm. worked out. I'd like to see us go back in for him or back in. I don't know if we did. I'd like to see us go in for him. Yeah. And and funnily enough, you and BCFC has asked the final question. He said, are we going up as champions? And why is the answer to this? Yes. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> there, there is genuine potential for next season to be a, a big one. If all goes mm. swimmingly, which it never does at this club. But this season. But if we appointed him at the start of the season, <laughs> this season we anything off. I, this season, I'm, I'm hesitant to say champions. To say that we win I it. think Norwich are a little <laughs> bit better. Um, but I, I like the optimism. I'm a fan. Yeah. What about Dylan's question? The food question? Oh, yeah. Dylan's one. Yeah, let me get it up. Sorry about that. Dylan. Oh, what? Yeah. Best halftime scram you guys have ever had. Easy. Robin's Grill, Cheltenham Town. 100%. Controversial. It's not controversial. It's genuinely the burgers at at Cheltenham are delicious. I don't tend to buy food. No, we're we're pretty. I prefer a packet of sweets, you know. We're pretty tight with our money, aren't we, as students? We're just BM bargains. Go B and M, pick up a packet of mini eggs. That'll do me most days. I like the most dames games. I remember when I went to, <laughs> I used to go with my. Well, when I used to go with my dad, we always used to get a pasty, which is which was quite nice. At, I think we, last mm-hmm. time we the Huddersfield game, a few or eighteen to nineteen season or nineteen twenty season, whenever it was. That yeah, got the pasty mm-hmm. when it's reduced. It, 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 the queues are big, so you have to leave a bit of time for it. But it is there's nothing nicer in a way when you're just sat down in a cold night and you have the warm pasty in your hand. Yeah, I, I would lean yeah. towards that. Do you remember when... Never um, doing an away day. But... Dos, do, you remember, do you remember when Reese almost choked on, on his pasty at one of those games? I don't. I don't remember, do you know no. I can't remember which game it was, but he was eating his pasty, and then I think it was like Patterson or something scored a free kick, and he just started choking <laughs> on his they pasty. Can either be, there are risks. They're either great or they're just stone cold. You can tell they've been in that fridge yeah. freezer for years. Hmm. Yeah. We had to, it's one you've got to negotiate, isn't it? We had to compromise and get a, what was it, a pie at Villa away because they didn't sell oh, alcohol. Yeah. So we're like, well, might as well fill the stomach with something. So we got a oh. pie, which was average because of pucker. That would have been. It's very. Yeah, we don't. We didn't really get food on away days, do we? Well, no, it's we just the, eat the, like the chief trade of thought is that it sobers or... you up. Well, yeah, obviously yeah, that is that is. The... It would have food <laughs> would have ruined a lot of away days, to be fair. So. Mm. Yeah. Oh, soon, lads. Soon we'll be back. Soon. I'm very excited. But yeah, uh, let's look forward to Bournemouth then, uh, Wednesday night at Ashton Gate. Uh, like we've kind of touched on, a win would take take us within four points. And, and you might be starting to think, you know, the season isn't a write-off in February, as we've kind of alluded to the last few episodes, I think. Do you think we were wrong to write it off? Or do you think that was just at the time, the direction that City were headed in? No, I don't think we were wrong at all. I think the season was, and for me, still is probably a write-off. I I think we'll be pretty good at the end of the season. I think things will look up, but I can't see us mounting a genuine playoff sort of charge. Um, but yeah, I think it's a strange one, isn't it? Like I said earlier, two games ago we were in a relegation battle and now we're talking about playoffs. Um, and it's all because, you know, we've actually made a good appointment for once. So, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure where I stand on it still. I think it's just, it's it's February, but it's still too early to say almost. Yeah. What do you make of it, Doss? I think if we win, it's four points and we should go for it. I love the optimism. Is it because the sun's out? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Nigel Pearson. Yeah. Is that? Do you think he's really had that sort of paradigm shift so quickly? Because surely it will take some time for for things to really get moving under him. Like you don't just go into a club and change it in a week, do you? He seems to have done that though. That's the thing. The former players are playing. You know, a lot more freedom. Uh, it's even Naki Wells. It's just the fact the small things mean the players are smiling more when they the the camera cuts to them. They're smiling more. They seem happier. And I think that is all it takes in football. Players are so maybe like temper, temperamental that if you do change a few things, tweak a few things, then it makes a lot of difference. I think there are such fine margins. 
there are a few games, like let's say Barnsley, that no, no, if we just clear that chance, no, we were terrible, but let's say if we do make that clearance, then it's a nil-nil game. I think if you do make a few small tweaks, that can they can make the difference. I think Pearson's done that. It'll be the first game um, you get to watch of the Nigel Pearson era in person, Doss, won't it? So mm. it'll be very interesting to see the five things you may have missed. Yeah, I was going to say. Will it be Pearson-based? It was getting very difficult. I think the <laughs> nil-nil with Barnsley, or well, 1-0 loss to Barnsley, it was very difficult to pick out five moments. But I think with this one, yeah, it should be full of content. I'm very much looking forward to it. Very much. I heard that he was very loud on the on the touchline yesterday. So I'm hoping, I think Dean Holland didn't really hear too much. So I think Pat Mountain was almost the loudest bloke, the goalkeeping coach. So I think with Pearson, I'm looking forward to seeing how he how he uh, takes to it. Yeah, it'll be really interesting, won't it? To, to the first home game under Nigel Pearson's sort of era against a, you know, a promotion candidate in Bournemouth that, like you said, have also got a new manager in themselves, Coxie. So, you know, what do you sort of expect going into this game? God, Bournemouth are strange this season, aren't they? With, you know, I mean, they've confirmed Woodgate now, which absolutely baffles me when there was discussion of Henri. And there are still, you know, some other decent managers out there. And they've gone for Jonathan Woodgate, who struggled massively at Middlesbrough. Um, the issue is they still have quality in their squad. I mean, we were pretty decent um, at the Vitality earlier in the season, I think. But, you know, we got undone by a moment of quality. I think Dan Juma scored that night. And I think, once again, he's probably the threat. Um, I can't say I watch Bournemouth much, but whenever I do, I feel like Dan Juma is, is the man for them. Um, obviously, Dom Solanke's been bagging goals. Um, but I think Dan Juma just sort of offers that bit of quality I don't really think he's a championship player um, but I think that's the situation with a lot of the relegated teams isn't it that they're just different a lot of them are just different gravy this season um, there's a great brawl yeah. if anyone well, hasn't seen it between Watford and Bour- yeah. Bournemouth in the last game Jackie Wilshire is suspended for it which I mean I, I don't know if he's any good nowadays but you know it might help um, but please go check they that out if you, if you missed this. it it's great yeah Bournemouth sort of go into this on shaky form, though, don't they? They've lost to QPR and they've lost mm. to Cardiff in their last three games. Do you think, Doss, it's a real chance with City now having their tails up to just go out, go out there and get at them? It's difficult to say because I didn't watch the Watford game and I haven't really watched Bournemouth since I think they lost to Derby and they were dreadful in that, so I don't really know what to say. Um, yeah, well, they beat Watford, so they got something going for them. Dan Juma, we all know, is a, a top, top player. Interesting to see Lloyd Kelly back at the, the gate as well in his almost preferred position on the left of a back three. So, yeah, it'll be a tough game, but I don't really know how Woodgate's going to, what he's going to change, if he's going to change much in terms of their formation, their style of play. But they do have quality over the pitch. In central midfield particularly, I really like the dynamic they've got there with Cook and Lerma. That's a Premier League midfield for me. And, he, yeah, they're just a very solid spine. And it's going to be difficult, but... They had been, when I watched against Derby, they were terrible. Couldn't create anything. They've been okay at the back, but just couldn't see that they couldn't break Derby down. So it'll be interesting how we approach it. Yeah, I, I, I'm confident. I know they beat Watford, who are on a very good run, but, you know, I, I, I back us with Nigel Pearson at the helm. Why don't you throw a prediction out there then for us, Doss? I just say I back us, but I'm thinking still, still going over 1 1 draw. That's what I was going to go with. Oh. God. Um, hmm. Prediction. I don't know. I feel like it could go. You know, I feel like we could absolutely batter them, you know, on our sort of little uprising. I feel like Bournemouth could turn up and perform. I genuinely think we might beat them. I think Doss is right in being confident. Um, and I'm going to. I'm going to actually back us and say. 2-0. I reckon Pearson's going to make the gate a fortress. 2-0 City. Oh. The mm. sun is shining. I will say 2-1 City. I just... It is purely because the of the spirit. sun, I agree. Yeah. I. It affects my mood, I'm pretty sure. It makes me so much more optimistic when I see the, the bright blue skies of Somerset. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm just confident now. I think, I think that's probably what the players will feel like, though. It just seems... Like I say... A week can change everything, can't it? It seems that the the whole perception of where the club's headed and and the positivity surrounding it, I just feel like they're going to go out there with just the utmost confidence that that they can beat a side like Bournemouth. Whereas 
you know, a month ago, we, we would have been saying that this will be a 4-0 loss. So I think that pretty much just shows the mental state of where not only the fans are at, but where the players are probably at with, with sort of this renewed hope. So it should be an interesting one, shouldn't it? I think we're all looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anything else to add before we wrap things up, boys? Not personally. All good. No, just think it's, it's the, f- the feeling is back. The, the good feeling is is yes coming back to us up the sea. Yes. Um. Everyone have a good day, I guess. Because it's, it's bloody lovely out. If you're you're listening to this on a Sunday, I don't know what Monday's going to be like, but listen to it on a Sunday. Just enjoy the sunshine. You don't really get it in February all that often, <laughs> so just make the most of it, I guess. But yeah, that's everything for now. Follow our socials at BS3Talk and we'll catch you guys next time. Cheers, everyone. Goodbye.